Uh, welcome once again to the official Scottish Rugby Podcast. Uh, a rather special episode, an extremely special episode. Uh, Chris Patterson here, and I'm joined by a hero of mine, Scotland British Isles Lions fullback, a man who's has uh, gone on his hundredth cap this weekend. Is Scotland take the fielding asylum? We'll look ahead to the game uh, in a bit, but I want to look back before we look forward, Hoggy. Um, first things first. How are you? I'm grand. It's a big week. It's a it's a big week, but um, I don't know quite what to make of it yet. I think right. for me, I'm just kind of focusing on um, doing my job for the team and, and making sure that that we're successful in all the times of trying. You know, twelve twelve attempts in the the Six Nations. We've got a triple crown to play for this mm-hmm. weekend, and I'm absolutely buzzing for it. And uh, yeah, to to be in a position to to hit a hundred caps is. Um, it's pretty special, but I think I'll, I'll only, you know, really understand what it what it means and what it feels when when I'm in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think you even will though? Because your focus is absolutely totally well, on that Irish game. Y- you tell me. Well, how, how was it? Uh, wasn't it? The well, I ended up. In, I did. I, I know what I did. That. Like, card, if you want to keep. How, it how, like. how did you feel leading up to it in the week? Did you see um, it as a normal game, or did you see it as a um, a little bit added no, spice? No, like that was a goal setter in my career. Yeah. I think you are too. Um, I wanted to become most cap for Scotland, uh, and then once I was lucky enough to achieve that, I wanted to win a hundred caps for Scotland, and then it became probably too all-encompassing. Like mm-hmm. through the high eighties, nineties caps, I thought this magical thing's going to happen, and then. Uh, I might ask you about this as well, but like uh, on the Monday before the team announcement, so it was uh, I played in Cardiff on the Saturday. On the Monday, it was Andy Robinson was head coach, uh, and he's just going to have a one to one. This was on the Monday night after dinner. I thought, oh, come on, Andy, we're not, not going here. And he, he looked <laughs> not, at the no, 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 come, come on, on. <laughs> and he said, I just need to know are you ready for this. <laughs> and I looked back, I said, you having a laugh, Andy? I said, what? He said, it'll be a physical challenge away in Cardiff. Are you ready? And at that point, I thought, I just can he. You know me, I can, was rather firm with my reply and said, of course I'm ready, got up and walked away. And it was really good because that moment, it, can he, and it was maybe deliberate with Andy, but it, it took all the personal stuff out mm-hmm. of it. It says, no, I'm ready and I'm going to show you. Yeah. So it, it then became about the game. And the, the one thing where it, I allowed myself to get personal about it was the, the players all wrote anonymously just a line about me and got a big envelope at the, uh, the night before the dinner, the night before, uh, and I was given an envelope with, 30 pieces of anonymous scribble some handwriting better than others and it was really nice to know what your teammates felt yeah. uh, and other than that moment on the Monday and that moment on the Friday it was getting to the game I just wanted the game to go so yeah. I got away from that I think it was you much the same it was similar today to be honest like <clears throat> you know I was a bit nervous about it like, the same you're nervous t- about being picked my thing is it's it's the same every time like uh-huh. I meant for a while um I felt I could do no wrong, mm-hmm. and like I, I was, I was confident in my ability to play. And over the last kind of couple of years, it's been, it's been a lot more challenging, but in a good way. It's kept me on my toes. It's kept me working really hard, you know, with Blair, you know, quick on my heels, and, and Ollie Smith coming through as well. Two quality players that have almost gave me a kick up the backside, saying mm-hmm. like, Luke, you need to be a bit better as well. So I don't quite relax until mm-hmm. the team's announced. And you know, we do the occasional walk through the day before, and they're like, right, can kind the of following guys put bibs on, but don't read into it. Yeah. And all the time I've known Gregor, don't read into it, but read into it. <laughs> um, but until it's on the board, it's 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 still a bit, hey, I'm scared. But again, today when it was announced... Um, it's a skip, there's a wee skip in heartbeat, eh? Ah, there was. A, oh, yeah. And then I was told afterwards I was vice-captain, but I wasn't aware <laughs> of that. I was like, oh, here, here we go. But um, 
no, it was it was class because Gregor was you know kind enough to put on a a video montage of, mm. of what I used to be like, uh, the career highlights, and the first thing I was thinking in my head was bloody hell, I used to be quite good. <laughs> and um, but now after after that video was gone, you know everybody comes up and, and shakes uh -huh. your hands and congratulates you, and it is very very special. But I think the best thing was we came back across the road, had our dinner, and then mm. had to concentrate on on training in the afternoon. So. Um, for all it is a nice moment, mm -hmm. I think you know as the week goes on, I just got to keep my soul focus on mm -hmm. on doing my job, and 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 that's to help Scotland win a Test match. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get into that Test match later on. It, it's brilliant to hear that, and I know I, I believe I reward it. And having experienced something similar, I know exactly what you want. You just want it to come. You want the game to get going. This isn't a this is your life, by the way. There's no red book coming in the corner because there's more to come, Hoggy. Yeah. <laughs> Especially starting this weekend and then thereafter. But we do want to look back uh, to where it all began and maybe chronologically go through bits and pieces of your career so how did you get into rugby we're a rugby nut a rugby family a rugby area but what was it that got you into the game i think if i if i'm truly honest it was more of watching the six nations in scotland when they played mm -hmm. but the proper time that i would say i wanted to be a rugby player was when i started following my brother graham mm -hmm. who's five years older than i am mm -hmm. And he used to play in, in all the the age grade district stuff, um, playing for the Borders and then going up to play for Scotland and getting into the National Academy and stuff. And I was like, do you know what? That looks class. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, I want to be involved. And we'd all played for like Hoy Albion and then, mm -hmm. you know, you want to try and get into the, I think it was the Raiders, and then the Stormers and then, um, you know, the Borders the borders pathways. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. And following my brother, I got to experience everything way before mm -hmm. my time. Mm -hmm. And to see what he had gone through and the sacrifices that he was having to make and the enjoyment he was getting out of it, then the opportunity on the back of it, I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And it was only really then that I was like, right, I'm going to start taking this a little bit more serious. And I absolutely loved it. I remember, it's weird, because you go to all the, the kind of Scottish rugby camps as a kid and you go up to Struan and you're mm -hmm. camping in a tent and washed in the river and playing on a cabbage patch like it was they were the days like that yeah. was the fun times you get to experience loads of different things but you were playing like the best in Scotland and you wanted to be the best yeah. at that age and that was 14, 15, 16 um, and that's really when I was like right I want to be a rugby player There's a lot in there isn't there it's like it's really nice to see it. Well, you family have had a massive influence on yeah. you talk a wee bit about them Graham your brother was uh, at Edinburgh when I was still playing um, yeah. uh, as well and your dad John refereed me more often than not yeah <laughs> The um, yeah. I think the only, the only the only challenging part was was really early on, and only now the older you get and you start to, to process life. The toughest thing for us as a family was the fact that my brother got punted out of the academy, yeah. and I came straight in that summer, which was a bit bit. It was a national academy then. Yeah, it, it was yeah. in Glasgow. No, was it? it wasn't so it, effectively yeah. like for like. It was yeah, um, and and that was the. Only realise when you get older the, the, yeah. the kind of challenging times that he must have gone through. Have you asked him how he felt about that? Yeah, we've had numerous conversations oh. about it, and he's like, again, he'd be proud of you, though, was he? A hundred percent. He's right. always said that he's never jealous, uh -huh. but he's always envious, mm -hmm. and but he's my number one supporter. Right. Like, he's probably the first person, um, whoever answers the phone between him and dad first about who <laughs> I go for, for advice. But the the, the best thing about them, the pair of them, is they're just. They're, They'll mm. no miss and hit the wall. They'll tell you exactly mm. how it is, and and that's what you want. Um, but yes, I've almost like felt not a pressure, but you're representing. The yeah, family, I'm. You? I'm almost like trying to make my family proud, but mm. also allow Graham to mm -hmm. come and see 
you know, uh-huh. what what could have been type thing. I know that sounds horrible, but I feel the pressure to perform no, for us both. And yeah. it was weird, but as I say, like at the time, I was just thinking, yeah. nah, stuff, you, you're out, I'm in. Uh-huh. Like, that's all it was. But when you start to understand things and you process it and you experience why you have little bits of challenges in your in your life and your career, mm-hmm. these are things that, that at the time you didn't, you didn't process. Um, so I, d- I have found it a bit challenging that he's mm-hmm. been on the sidelines for as long watching, but he'll be the first to say that he's, mm-hmm. he's got my back no matter what. And that competitive edge is obvious in the way you've played, the way you've conducted yourself every day in training. Was that evident when you were young as well? Were you your brother and your dad? Was there, or your big brother, sorry? Was there, yeah. Was there, is it, that where the competitive edge comes from? It was, yeah, because as I say, Graham's five years older and he was always a lot bigger than I was. <laughs> um, used to batter me, used to beat me to the dining table. Um, but the best bit, we used to have a, a little kitchen, ta- a little k- kitchen, a little coffee table in our right. dining, in our living room. And um, anytime mum used to go out, we used to have this little rugby, this little teddy that had to zip up the back that used to unzip pull it inside out and zip it back up and it was like a rugby ball. So here we go, Dad and I playing, Dad on his (laughs) knees and against Graham because he was all... So John wasn't a referee and then he was... No, no, he was was straight in about it. 2v1, who was the teams? It was always me and Dad against Graham when we got to the age that Graham could be on his own. (laughs) Um, And we used to hear the car, we had had the Stony Drive and used to hear Mum come in (laughs) and and the car door shut and we're like, right, everybody get back in the seats, put the, (laughs) put the coffee table back. And they were all sitting, kind of panting away, and Mum's like, I, I know you boys have been at it again. <laughs> we're like, no, no, you're wrong. Well, look at the carpet, you've got lines everywhere here, <laughs> there, and everywhere for us rolling about. But as long as there's um, no blood. I was always a competitive edge, um, and there always will be, no matter what we're doing. Um, if it's playing golf, if it's anything, mm. even like watching horse racing, it's a competitive edge. And we're like, well, we're not in control of anything, but we've still got the bragging rights, whoever wins. So I think that's where, the, um, that's where I get it from. On that as well, like... Your first passion was to be a jockey, though, wasn't it? Was it before rugby? It was. I say that because it's almost like my intention was never, if I'm honest, my intention was never to be a rugby player, like fully committed until I got to a certain age. Mm. And my first ever job I worked for my dad in the mill, um, and thankfully he was my boss at the time, so it was a seven-week holiday <laughs> when we were off school. But for one of the weeks, I jumped out and went to Stuart Stuart Rugby Camp. Mm -hmm. Still got paid for it, but (laughs) I think think they'll be at me now to get it back. But um, no, I I remember riding out for for Donald Wellens at the bottom of the town. Mm -hmm. um, And it was class every weekend. We'd ride out the horses, muck out, learn what it was in in life outside of school and in the real world. And I absolutely loved it. And I remember writing in my yearbook that I was going to be a jockey, but there was a severe lack of riding ability and I was too heavy by the time I got to 17. So I say it for a bit of, a bit of crack, but now it's kind of grown arms and legs. And it's, I think it's now in my Wikipedia bio and everything. Mm-hmm. Aye, so, um, I, nah, look, I love, I love, I love my horses. I've got three of my own. Um, and my wife loves them as well. So it's always, it's always a good thing because, um, horses don't talk back to you. Well, aye. well, I'm pleased you grew out the horses and took up the rugby, but that was, <laughs> this was on Hoyk, obviously. We'll, we'll yeah. skip on pretty quickly, yeah. but just Hoyk, it's uh, obviously hometown, it means a lot to you. The rugby club in Hoy means an awful lot to you. Um, it's a big event this weekend as well. And I know, the, the, pres- I the tennis premiership yeah. final is at Hoyk in the first yeah, final. I was asking the powers that be if they could rugby. put it back a couple of weeks. Is but it, is it, Going back to your competitive edge with your family, because your brother's coaching at Hoyk, yeah. isn't he? And your dad's director. Dad, dad, yeah. What's the biggest event in the Hoyk household this weekend, Saturday or Sunday then? Um, <laughs> I think... You'll pip it. Yeah, but we, we, used to, we used to say that uh, we always take it a day by day. So Saturday comes before Sunday. <laughs> so unfortunately, I think their sole focus is on uh, is on Saturday, and rightly so. Um, they've done a cracking job yeah. so far this season, and, and 
you know the players are buzzing that the whole town's buzzing um you know i was down last weekend for the semi-final and absolutely loved it uh and yeah hopefully they can they can do the exact same this weekend because as i say the whole place is buzzing and right behind it and for years on end we were we were never in a position to win trophies mm -hmm. uh, and and for Hoyt to do that now is, is pretty special so you know, best wishes to him for the weekend. It's good to hear you still say we as well. Have you got Hoyk heroes? When you grow up, you'd have watched them. It would be yeah. There's a there's a. I mean, Hoyk's as steep and rugby history as you yeah. can get. Have you got Hoyk heroes? Yeah, I have Nicky Walker. Nicky? And the re the reason I have numped is because when I was in um, primary five, I think it was Numpty made his debut. Uh -huh. um, Scotland jersey with a with the navy and, and light blue stripes. Mm -hmm. um, I remember writing. It was almost like a newspaper article. On, uh, on Nicky's yeah, performance. Aye. But I remember, like, back in the day, like, any time it had, uh, like, it would always start, the press com the press article would always start, Hoik's Nicky Walker or something. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Hoik. So I was like, right, Hoik's <laughs> Nicky Walker takes the I think it was like, Nicky takes the field was like, oh, the, was the headline yeah. in that. Um, and so I, lo I loved it because it was like, it was the first person when I was at Murrayfield, I was like, that's a Hoik person. Uh -huh. And I was like, I watched him last week. I was ball boy for him yeah. last year. Like that was, yeah. that was like amazing because I watched him play for Hoyke and then I've seen him in the club rooms, and then I've seen him playing in the big international stage. I was like, that's bloody special. It makes it real, doesn't it? Oh, quite one hundred percent. And I remember, um, that because we had um, my school teacher at the time was big into to Hoyke rugby, Kath Douglas, mm -hmm. and and she managed somehow to get my. My newspaper article into the hike program, <laughs> and it was there that that weekend. I was like, "Oh, this is amazing!" I'm gonna run around on the on on the on the touchline as a ball boy and reading the program. Uh, my little my little article was in it. I felt like King Kong, but geez, that was a that was a long old time ago. Now, ago. No, but it means a lot. And uh, well, yeah. I played with Nicky for a long time. You'd be probably too young to remember Hoyk when the first Scottish Cup final. Do you remember that now? My brother was ball boy that year, two thousand two. Or are you on about ninety six? Oh, ninety six. Now I can't remember oh. that, but two thousand and two I was there because I think the YM played at the, sa the same day. Um, there's a lot of Hoyk. There's a lot of. Oh, hey. There's a guy man will move on quickly. Yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Played didn't play a huge amount senior rugby for Hoyk. Involved yeah. with um, actually before Scottish Rugby Academy, the base rugby academy. That was the first time I remember meeting you. Yeah. Spoken about this once or twice. Coming down to run a session, I was still playing internationally at Erlston, and Richie Gray uh, was Gala Richie Gray. Yeah. Um, was was the the lead rugby. He was in charge. Was he, he, was, he was the one that just designed it all. Yeah. Session. He says, and keep your eye on this and that hoggy. Um, and you run around me about three or four times. I gave me a touch. I've never, never. Aye, never but we've all done appearances, Moss, and you have to make the kids feel. No, I was trying though. <laughs> I was. I was getting the drag back with the hair at the time as well. I think it was due to my backside. What back age then. would you be then? Oh, I was 16. 16. 16, yeah. Um, so you knew you wanted to be involved in rugby at that age? That was the kind of. That was the first time. I was pretty. You, you almost felt like you're a full time rugby player because yeah. you're going in every morning, lifting weights, training, mm -hmm. doing all these kind of sessions. We had a few, you know, like heroes come down and watch us and train, and mm -hmm. we travelled all around the borders doing it. But then in the in the afternoon, you were doing the academic side of things, mm -hmm. and that was the bit you were you were playing rugby. But then you had to realise you still got to do other things off the field, and it was the the morning side of things that I was more interested rugby in. Yeah, rugby element. Um, and that yeah, transferred yeah. into. Scottish Rugby Academy then, didn't it? Immediately at the back of that? Yeah, so Bo um, Bomber Hislop and I went oh, yeah. from, from Base Academy to the National Academy based at, um, at Murrayfield. And mm -hmm. that first year was a tricky one because I had Osgood Slatter's disease in my knee, so I couldn't mm -hmm. do anything. I you remember. Can't, you, you can't even no. rest, that's all the things. Yeah, it was literally six months you're doing upper body weights, you mm -hmm. can't do anything. I was like, well, 
I'm not really sure this is for me. But mm-hmm. at the time, it was six months of not training at the club. But I'm still going back to hike and run around with the youth side. I think that's why I ended up out <laughs> the pitch as long, and that's why my knees are buggered now. Like, but um, just a love of rugby, though. You want to play? Oh, I loved yeah. it. I absolutely loved it. I used to play in the Border Seven circuit on a Saturday and a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now I kind of train two days in a row, but I absolutely loved it. Um, oh, like. But it was a, you've spoken a lot and kept in touch with coaches at Hoyk, coaches around your college course, but the Scottish Rugby Academy, like Brian Eason, Rocky Johnson, these guys, you, you've kept a link no matter and all the things you've achieved. You, you've always had that link right back to where it started. I think it was it was really quite special for a few a few years ago because we ended up doing a a coaching chain, mm-hmm. and I I was like That's asked right, yeah. like who who were my coaches growing up, and you know I said like Rocky Johnson, Mark Wright, my primary school coaches, and. I completely forgot about Jerry McGuinness. Mm-hmm. And Jerry McGuinness, along with Bernie, were probably the most important coach I ever had. Why? Because he dragged me, well, not going to drag me, but yeah, he pretty much did. He dragged me from the Hoyt PSA to the Hoyt Wands. And I loved playing for the Wands. We ended up, you know, we won numerous trophies. And I remember at the time, I was like, I think this is just a, I didn't really understand what this coaching chain was going to turn into. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing, I'm at this dinner with all these coaches around the table and I was like Jeezy Peeps Peeps, where's where's Jerry I've completely (laughs) forgot about him and I was like bugger he was like one of the most important but I remember Brian Eason for me like we're talking the best part of 15 years Mm -hmm. 15, 16 years that that Bernie's been a coach and been an influence in my Mm -hmm. life he'll be from a rugby point of view, outside my family, be the first person mm-hmm. that I pick up the phone to and speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, and he always gives me good advice. But I chat to him more about life than I do about rugby. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that's really quite special because he taught me way back in the day to pass off my left hand, mm-hmm. which everybody looks now and goes, well, did it work? Well, it did back then. It just <laughs> doesn't seem to happen now. But like little things like that, we always have a laugh about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I met him you know, a couple of Christmases ago with, with um, my wife and his and... She had a few glasses of red wine and mm-hmm. absolutely loved being in his company. And and this is when you understand that rugby is so unique, mm-hmm. that you keep in touch with these coaches that are more than coaches. They're like your rugby dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really quite special for me. And most people think you're relying on these people or these relationships you have when th- something goes wrong or there's a really hard time. But it's not. It's, it's all the time, isn't it? All the time. I think yeah. you appreciate and understand them all the time but probably a little bit more so when times are tough yeah. Yeah. because they'll tell you the exact if you if you listen close then you understand what they're saying they'll tell you the exact same things as what they're saying when things yeah. are going well yeah. but you kind of brush by it if that yeah. makes sense yeah. um so everybody's gone through tough times but i think the tough times build character and build mm-hmm. you to be better um and I'm grateful for the tough times that I've had in my, in my life mm-hmm. because it's given me a kick up the backside and made me, you know, freshen up ideas or understand that it's it's not as bad as what I, my first intention was. Um, but these are the kind of guys that, that mean the most to you. Now, we'll touch on some of those actually as we go on. We'll skip on through the academy and then and you become a professional player for Glasgow. That happened pretty quickly, didn't it? And, and it happened before you had, I always thought, a huge amount of senior rugby experience. Yeah. Like you had... You knew the game, we'll touch on that as well, but not a huge amount of senior rugby experience. So rather than learning the game at a senior level in the club game, you're learning it professionally and internationally two or three months after that. How how prepared did you feel or, or how easy or hard did professional rugby come to you once you got out in the field? It was very much sink or swim. 
because you've gone from doing. That's, do you look quite like that though? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like you, you either got it or you've not. Like uh-huh. the amount, like remember in that year at the academy, you'd go out and you had six or seven boys mm-hmm. trying to catch four tennis balls at the same time as well as catching a high ball. It was never going to work. <laughs> but the year after, you were you were sent to Edinburgh, or Glasgow, or, or or you were sent out the door, and I was lucky. I got, I got an opportunity to go to Glasgow, but. Growing up in the borders, mm-hmm. I was border reavers. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted to play for. And then mm-hmm. when they went bust, I was like, well, the closest team's Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. I want to play for Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And then I was sent to Glasgow, which I felt was a million miles away from home. I think I'd ever been to Glasgow <laughs> other than... Stop it. I was like, gee, I was like, how far away is this place? <laughs> Wettest place in the world. But I lasted a week and a half. And I said to my dad, I said, Dan, no, this isn't really? for me. I was like, no, this isn't for me. Were I you was, staying in Glasgow at that point? Aye. Aye. With I who? I was own? on my own the first You're season. On your own. I was on yeah. my own the first season, which I felt was quite difficult. So I was in Edinburgh. I had Rory yeah. Hutton, Nicky Little, yeah. my brother, like white boys, hi, <laughs> comfy. Nobody <laughs> else came anywhere near our flat. We used to just hang about the four of us, and that was that was me happy. <laughs> and then when I moved to to Glasgow, I went from knowing everybody to yeah. not knowing anybody yeah. and living on it's my own. Sink or swim moment, eh? Well, that's the thing, and and I look back at it and go, well, I could have quite easily jacked in and, and yeah. gone back to to riding at horses, but. My dad said, you've got a bloody big opportunity here, like, yeah. don't let it slip. Yeah. And then I stuck at it and then got more and more into the season. Because pre-season, I'd never done a full pre-season yeah. before. And I was like, well, where's the fun part? Where's the rugby? Where do yeah. we get a- actually get to play? And I was lifting weights and running Broncos and yo-yos. And I was like, mm. I, I, I don't want this. Um, but as soon as the games came along and you get the you get the um, the buzz of the game day. And at that time, I actually went back to play for Hoyk. My first season at, at, at Glasgow... I went back to, to play for Hoyk and I absolutely loved it because I'd go up a train Monday, Tuesday with the Glasgow, mm-hmm. drive back down to Hoyk, train my Hoyk on a Thursday and then, you know, depending on if Glasgow were home and away, I used to go to the game at Fair Hill. Yeah. Um, and in that season, I popped my shoulder, done my ankle and then came back fit for the under-20s. And during the under-20s, I played the first two games and they pulled me away. Um, I said I was going to be playing for Glasgow. Mm-hmm. So I got two games um, that season and I absolutely loved it. I was like, I'm playing in professional mm-hmm. rugby here. This mm-hmm. is quality. Uh, and then that following, the following season was the time that all you boys went to the World Cup okay. and we got we got good opportunities to play. You never looked back for that point, eh? 2011, that was. Yeah. And no. that would be... Because you played quite a lot. You pretty much played every game, didn't you, for the first I'd, part of that season? I was lucky. I was lucky because at that summer... Um, I'd come off the back of this sounds horrendous, but I'd come off the back of the two match ban at under twenties World I remember Cup. This, um my parents went out for two games and it was the two games I'd ban I was banned for. What was the offence again? Uh, no, I can't remember. <laughs> Something to do with a tackle, I think. Late. <laughs> or it might have been early, I can't remember. <laughs> Wrongly timed. I think anyway. it was that late, it was early. <laughs> <laughs> um But then I came back that summer and, and, and Bernardo Stortoni, yeah. who I absolutely loved at Glasgow, yeah. he had retired. So I was then up to, at the time, second choice behind mm-hmm. Pete Murchie. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for Murch, um, he popped his shoulder in the first mm-hmm. pre-season game against Newcastle. And I had a contract that year that if I had played six professional games before Christmas, I was given a full-time deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, Sean Lanine said, I'm going to put you at fullback mm-hmm. because I almost want you to serve your apprenticeship at fullback and then we'll chuck you back to 13, mm-hmm. which I actually signed at Glasgow as. Um, and I ended up playing a few games. Murchie came back for the sixth game. And I was like, if oh. he comes back on this, I'm not going to get my contract. Um, and unluckily for him, somebody wiped him in the 
the warm up of a of the the team run Dave a bad shoulder and he was out you, for was it again. It wasn't you, was it? Well, I've never been very very hard on the tackle pads, <laughs> but I don't think it was me. But again, like you have to have a little bit of luck along the way because eh? after that I played and I played really quite well. What was the game you scored a hat trick in Munster? Was that Munster away? Yeah. Was you, that in that period? I believe so. I, yeah. I think it was anyway. Either that, or it was just after the. This, I think it was just after Six Nations actually. Yeah. Um, but I played all that all that season and that like leading up to when everybody came back from the, the World Cup and I thought, well, I've had my I've had my time. Mm-hmm. That could be me out. Mm-hmm. But then you're playing with the likes of Graham Morrison was coming mm-hmm. back, John Barkley was mm-hmm. coming back, Cuss was coming back. I was like. I was in awe of these guys. Mm-hmm. Like I remember Cuss sitting on the physio bed one day, and I was like, oh, "It's Chris Cuss." I couldn't believe it. And then I'm lying on the physio bed, and John Barkley comes up and introduces himself to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "I know exactly who you are. Like, you're, <laughs> you're John Barkley." But and these were the things I remember. I was like, "This was absolutely incredible." Mm-hmm. And then I get an opportunity to play, play alongside them, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, "I love rugby. I'm going to I'm going right. to do everything I can to, oh. to make sure I'm here forever." And that you little bit of that little bit of opportunity that you get, that little taste of of success we had, because we actually went all right that yeah. during that period. Um, I was like, yeah, I love this. But then it wasn't that long after first cap of Scotland. It was twenty twelve, wasn't it? Yeah. Opening game of the Six Nations, Wales away, starting the bench, only game. Yeah. What is ninety eight starts as we again an- another mm-hmm. bit of luck. You decided to hang up the boots after that I was getting well out the way when I saw you coming through I, I was, I was, that was my one thing I was like I wanted Bossy just to come in for one camp so I could we played I, against each other though oh we played against uh, each other I remember um, you ta- I had a one on one with you um, oh. I went round outside of, of DeLuca and, and <laughs> I ended up ended up a one on one with you and I was like Nah, it's Chris Patterson. I said, "You've got the biggest, you've got the biggest dead ball at Murrayfield behind it." And I was like, "If I kick it over here, I might do it." And by the time I decided, I was belted into the front row of the stand. Oh, he must have made it easy for me. Um, Took pity on me. And then I tackled you. Believe it or not, I tackled you and attached a picture up. I was like, "Bossy, come on!" I was like, "Bossy, come on, get back up. You're fine. You're fine." But uh, and I remember that. But yeah, I was. Uh, well, I had retired internationally by then. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I was well at the picture before you came in I remember um, made me look so I remember so getting silly. a photo of, of, uh, for, uh, phone call of Andy Robinson and I was living with four three boys in the Glasgow flat and I generally thought it was a piss take at first for, for uh, yeah, he, fo- he phoned me out, he phoned me up and said oh, Hoggy I'd love you to be involved this is Andy Robinson here and I went ah good one <laughs> and I hung up and you never was, hung up I did I, I did but then I was like <laughs> two minutes later he phoned me back he said Stuart, it's it's actually it really Robinson, Robinson here because I'm going around the boys going right. Which one are you playing? <laughs> funny buggers here, um, and then yeah, ended up going into the the Six Nations camp, and I was like, right, you've got uh, absolute Scottish legends of the day here, and I'm like, what's this little hog yeti up down here boy. like? But um, some impact off the bench though. <clears throat> I think I was. I think the week before was probably more like really really enjoyable as well when uh, we played the Saxons. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was you, the new like the the Scotland boys played on the Saturday, but we played the Friday night. Yeah. Down at Netherdale, you scored, scored a world in that game. Aye, and I was like, well, I remember the follow the following week. I was like, um, I was involved in like before the team was announced. I was involved in like the bits of walkthroughs and that. And I was like, well, I think there's a wee chance. There's a chance here. here. There's a wee chance here. And then <laughs> Robbo on the Tuesday flips o- flips over the um, the bit of paper, and I saw my name on the bench, number twenty two. I was like, cheesy oh, peeps, what's going on here? Um, but now it was it was class and. Yeah, I just I remember in the the build up to it, like just seeing it as a normal game. I hadn't had a huge amount of experience playing mm-hmm. rugby, so I was like, well, at that time you're young and naive, and you you've not really got a care in the world. So you're just like, right, I'll crack on and see what's what. But I remember Big Al, Big Al Kellogg stood next to Duncan and I in the warm in the in the anthem, 
and he said when we go back to the bench just try and keep yourself in the game and it's like yeah. you know whatever Rory Lamont's doing at the time what, what do you think you did on type thing and like Big Al was like the, the rugby dad mm-hmm. along with Sean Lamont I was like mm-hmm. right this is pretty cool um, and before I could think of what I was doing I'm jogging onto the pitch 15 minutes in you know Maxi picked up an injury and but instinct kicks in as well though, eh? like I remember you coming oh, on I, and you should have had a try I did I, I scored to be wasn't it I, but it wasn't Roman Platt I think he still apologises to this day uh, has he actually apologised yeah when he got his um, last cap against Australia uh, last refereeing game against Australia a few years ago mm. uh, we presented him something after the game and he, and he apologised then I was like mate it's Best part of nine years later, what's going on here? Good on him. Because um, it, it was a pass you picked up off your bootlaces. Uh, funnily eye, enough, I've, I've been known to drop one since then, oh, yeah. but I never, dropped, picked, that never dropped that one. I never it's dropped stuck. that one. Um, but yeah, and it would have, would have, well, it did lead in the try, but then it came back and said it was a knock on. But yeah. Would he that be the, would didn't that didn't that be go the moment? <laughs> didn't go to the TMO. No, he didn't, no. Would that be the moment, say, first cap, like really quickly pick it one moment immediately or a feeling that springs for the first cap? Would that be it? Or would you just be getting onto the field? I think the best bit about that game was when I f- got my first opportunity with ball in hand and it was Reese Priestling kicked a big crossfield kick and I was like, first of all, I'm like, catch a bloody thing. Keep it um, Keep it elbows close. Yeah, and then ended up having a one-on-one with Jamie Roberts and uh-huh. I stepped on with the right foot and I was like, oh, now we're playing. And it was the biggest cheer I've ever had. I was like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> and then about 10 seconds later, I run into touch and... <laughs> Robbo wasn't the best place to that, like, but um, nah, it was, it was quality. It's amazing how it was like single moments just stick in your mind, eh, from oh, such a big, big occasion. It's weird because you can ask me about what happened in the very, very beginning of my career and what happens now, mm. but the middle, I'm like, <laughs> mm. what, what did happen? Well, the week after, you did score a try, yeah, against France, wasn't it? And that was uh, well, the the first cap was the only time you've ever been a replacement, so you've had about 99 caps, 98 starts. Mm-hmm. This weekend, the 100th will be a 99th start. Was that like confirmation that I remember? Because this sounds terrible, but it can be reasonably simple to play well on a debut or off the bench. Yeah. Not simple, but it's like, it's just. You, you had, you had to, everything comes together for I you. I think There's it's no because you, you're, you're not expected to do yeah. anything. You're, but the week later, when yeah. there was a bit of heat on you. Yeah, we well get, get performance get, like that was pretty special. Yeah, well, I started getting more roles within the team. I, yeah. was, I had a kick and roll on exits and, mm. you know, a couple of set piece plays. Um, were based around me getting ball in hand and running, mm-hmm. so I was like, right, now we're into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Greg, uh, it was a bouncing ball, Greg picks up, goes back to the right, passes to Lee Jones, and then I'm diving into the bottom corner. Um, and still to this day, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with my celebration, but uh, it was it was quality to play to play at, at BT Murrayfield, where Aye. I'd watched rugby for mm-hmm. a long, long time. Um, was when was your first trip to Murrayfield, BT Murrayfield? Oh, jeez. Um, I've 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 been. I remember. With some I remember going with my mum and my brother. I think my dad was away refereeing at the time, and when we played against Wales, and John Leslie scored the quickest oh, try. Oh yeah, yeah. 90, I think we were just getting to our seat and sat down mm. with a burger and chips, and then <laughs> everybody stood up in front of us. And I was like, "What's happened, mum?" And she went, "Well, somebody scored." I went, "We've just bloody kicked yeah, off." Kick off. GL. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, there's there's many a time, but the one of my favourite memories as a kid going to Murrayfield was it'd be two thousand. And three, Six Nations, I think. That would be a Six Nations. Scotland played Ireland, and at half time, uh, we were on playing tag rugby against Howden, Howden, Burn or Howden Bank for Jellet. Oh, nice. Um, 
I remember that. That, that was clear. So first time had, on the field. That was the first time on the pitch. But we had the um, we had the green bibs on because we were both playing in, in sky blue. <laughs> so we had the green bibs. So we had all the Irish fans supporting us. But um, oh well, bleach blonde hair back then and almost. No, like, oh, it was I. I remember what getting the minis. So what are you like, uh, nine, ten year old? I I'd be Le- I'd be ten or eleven. This is and I. The hair was blonde. Like, oh yeah, I'm officially I'm, blonde. Or uh, it wasn't a, like anything now. Most it wasn't <laughs> a natural. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, now I remember, I remember dying it, and then we had a we had a meeting at the school going, you know, no, we don't want any. I had a hat on at the time, don't want any fancy hairstyles, this, that, and other for our trip to Murrayfield. And I think one of my mates hoid my hat off, and the teacher went, oh, well, "Too late now." I went, "Sorry, Mr. Douglas, I'm too late." Uh, but listen, we could talk for ages, and we will do, touching different bits and pieces. You could almost speak for loads of different parts of your career, but. Um, you mentioned something before about difficult times and frustrations in your career, how they've made you better and how you've almost come to appreciate them. What are the, the frustrations that, that you can hint at there? Obviously, there was an amazing spell at Glasgow, won the Pro 12, but prior to that, the season before, you didn't play in the final for the, no. the Pro 12. No. Um, There's some difficulties around that. Red card in Wales. Um, these difficult moments to manage you, you, you've spoken openly about how much it helped but what are the kind of frustrations in that period that you'd the frustrations then um or the first first campaign in scotland we went not from five mm. um which was horrendous but it was only i played four of the five games yeah. and i was 19 year old i didn't know yeah. what it was the year after we won two games and we finished third mm-hmm. um and then we had some decent performances along the way. And then 2014, we went, I think it was not one from one from five. Mm-hmm. That was your donkey got the drop goal. In Italy, away, yeah. And then the last game, we, we played against Wales. And I think I just let all the frustrations out in the wrong way. And, on that um, red card game? On the red card, yeah. But I look at that going, built up frustrations, taking it out in the wrong way. Um, and to put it bluntly, I thought I was way better than what I actually was. Because I hadn't had a setback. He would have lied by then as well. Yeah, I hadn't had a setback. Oh. I hadn't had a setback. I, I thought, oh, this is plain sailing, this is mm. easy. Um, and we should be winning games. We should mm. be better than what we are. Mm. And then... So what changed it? The best thing, looking back, at the time it was it was absolutely dreadful. I yeah. thought, I'm out. Like, Glasgow didn't pick me because uh-huh. I decided to try and leave. I was like, and, yeah. 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 I was way too big for my boots. Biggest, like, it's horrible, but it's probably the best thing that ever happened mm-hmm. to me because you make these mistakes. You're sitting watching the boys playing semi-finals, getting to the because mm-hmm. we've been in two semi-finals the year That's before. Right. Uh, Ospreys, wasn't it? Um, and and this final like, was in Leinster. Yeah, and I was like, I, I want to play. And I remember um, that week we, I wasn't expecting to play, but I played. It sounds horrible, but I played against Treviso and Zebra, and back then it was. Mm-hmm. It was a guaranteed five points, mm-hmm. and I hadn't played for weeks. And I played against them too. And I was like, "Do you know what? The big games are coming around the corner. I'm not going to be playing." Mm-hmm. I remember the worst thing I've ever done was you opened your tray at the club, um, and I had your number written down for what jersey you're going to be wearing for the for the final, and mine said that wasn't involved. And I was like, "This is absolutely horrendous." So I was like, at the time, I was like, "Get me out of here." Mm-hmm. I said, "I need to be playing rugby. I need to be like I thought I was way better than what mm-hmm. I actually was." And then that summer it all went to pot about leaving and end up staying at Glasgow. 
And then I thought, right, I've got one more year in my contract. Mm. I could brave it out and, and not play any rugby and just waste a year and think it'll all kick off again. Mm. Or I can suck it up and get on with it and, and learn from it and understand it. Um, and Gregor put me in touch with um, the late Steve Black. Yeah, Black yeah. And I worked with him for years. Mm. And it was absolutely tremendous. And in that season, I got a proper feel for... Um, what it meant to be a rugby player and be a successful team because we went on to win the league that year. Mm -hmm. And I remember the whole season we were like, we want to be the first Scottish team to win a title. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I'm going to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in, in, in Belfast when we beat Munster. I was on my hands and knees, like in tears, and Gregor went, you were the difference. Mm -hmm. I said, what a year you've had. Mm -hmm. And I went, but that's what, I'm, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But I loved being at Glasgow at that time. I genuinely loved it. I had like the, almost like the, the four-year blip um, and I look back on it and it was horrendous at the time absolutely horrendous at the time but as I say there's always a making of the man and, and I truly believe that was it see when you're feeling as low as that and it's horrendous and you're going through tough times at what point do you realise actually that was good for me was it the winning of the championship the next again year or yeah, was it I during the process of winning like I think it, I think it was working with Steve because I was learning a lot about myself as a person mm -hmm. and the best person brings out the best rugby player mm -hmm. and I was just understanding what an opportunity I had, what mm -hmm. position I was in mm -hmm. um, and I'd had a few games, I think I was you know, sitting on 20 caps at the time so I'd had a fair bit of... of and the line. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I'd been, you know, and I said like, that's what I want to be, that's what I want to do, I want to be mm -hmm. involved in these big games mm -hmm. and I think the emotion that I showed after that game in Belfast when we won was mm -hmm. the fact that this is what I'd worked so hard for mm -hmm. for the for the entire season was to get back to this moment and I think the emotion that I showed then and then to go into the World Cup that year was like this is what it's about mm -hmm. um, and I never ever want to be in that position again. And you'll have used those emotions again since then. It's not as if you have one bad time no. and then everything. It's no. just like, peaks and troughs as a, a pro player, I think international player, isn't the, it? The next time I, I properly struggled would be in 2017 when I when I banged my eye socket. Yeah. I maintained a shoulder. I've done that, I know. I maintained a shoulder niggle for mm -hmm. um, the best part of six, seven months. Because that was in the Lions tour, wasn't it? Yeah, uh -huh. leading up to that, I was like, uh -huh. I'm going on this tour. Uh -huh. I want this tour so badly. And I came off the back of back-to-back -back Six Nations Player of the Year. Uh -huh. And I said, this is my time. I said, uh -huh. I'm, I'm, they were like, we need your shoulder needs done. I said, strap it up. <laughs> I said, strap it up, give me some pills. I'll, 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 I'll mm -hmm. play on. I said, if I don't make it, I'll, I'll get it done then and that season unfortunately we ended up um, I think we qualified with Glasgow mm -hmm. for the first time since I joined the club about playing that but going on that Lions tour and then thinking right this is this is my time did you feel like on fire like in terms yeah. of your form I was like I played that, I was like this is the best rugby I've played Aye. and I was like this is my time and then you know you pick up an injury like that that ruins someone it wasn't just a right go home and pick get yeah. your shoulder sorted and, and get back on with it I was proper down for the best part of two years about it. Two years? Yeah. Uh, 18 months to two years. Mm -hmm. And again, when you when you look at things that have affected you in life and mm -hmm. rugby and you process it and you, you understand what it is that you've been um, holding in, I, I don't think I had a grieving process about that. I generally don't because I, I, had, a, I had a few drinks and I'd, I'd almost brush it under the carpet and think it was all right, but... For the best part of two years, I kept pick, uh, trying really hard to get back fit, picking up another injury, mm -hmm. picking up an injury. I think after that shoulder reconstruction, um, 
I popped my other shoulder, ripped my gut muscle, done my knee, done my ankle. And you're starting getting pelters going, he's never going to be back to, mm. to where he was. And that frustrated me and I was like, I'm having this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show people wrong. Mm -hmm. But in reality, all I was doing was making double the mistakes, mm -hmm. making myself look an even bigger clown. There's only one person I had to prove yeah. to, and that was me. And it took me, honestly, it took me the best mm -hmm. part of two years to, to get over it. And I was like, do you know what? Repeat process of what I've gone through years earlier. Yeah. Do I just try try and try again? Or do I understand it and, and be better for it? Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, right, what's my, what's my, my short-term, long-term goals again? I said, let's make the next two. And did the move to Exeter just after that? Probably mm. help in terms of perfect new challenge. Perfect time. I think you're coming off, come off the back of that World Cup and things didn't go to plan. Mm -hmm. I think that was a perfect time because if I'd gone back into an environment that I'd already known, mm. I think I could have become a little bit stale. Whereas I wanted a fresh challenge, um, going to a That's club. A mature decision as well, though, isn't it? Like you, it's quite. Yeah. it would have been quite easy to stay. I'd, it'd have been easy to stay because I, I was probably in a, a comfortable area. Yeah. I was in a comfort zone. Mm that I knew if I was fit and, and ready to play, I'd play. But I wanted a fresh challenge and going down to Exeter was, was absolutely brilliant in the beginning mm -hmm. because it allowed me to have a complete fresh start after the World Cup and thinking internationally it's always mm -hmm. another cycle into the World mm -hmm. Cup where it's almost like a fresh start in my rugby career. Um, and I look back at going to Exeter, was probably probably the best thing mm -hmm. that, that ever happened for me. And, and just quickly on that as well, I don't believe you've ever really, well you have had to learn the game, but as a professional, I don't think you've had to learn the game because your understanding, your knowledge, your base through, you know, how you can play rugby, you've known the game. You, yeah. yeah, you can add power and speed and strength and technical still, but you've always had that nous. And even if the game changes, have you have you ever been challenged by the game changing? Or is it just, there, there's a I think time you understand the game really well. I think that the, yeah. I think a few years ago I would sit and watch every single game of rugby that was on. <laughs> I would, honestly. And and Jill hated all, it. All around the world. All around the world. And I was like, right, I want to try and pick out bits of his game, bits right. of his game. Right. And then, and I was concentrating too much on, on other people. And I was like, right, what can I bring to the right. game? Right. And it started to be like, right, what influence can I have in counter-attack? Right. My kicking game, all that kind of mm -hmm. thing. So I've always been a student of the game. Um, right. And that's why I think that you can never take you can never take that for granted. I never believe that you're a complete rugby player. Mm -hmm. So until the day that I stop, I'll still be working on my basic mm -hmm. skills. Mm -hmm. I'll still be looking at analysis on on ways to to work to get into a game to be better to help. You know, the older you get and the, the speed's not quite there as what it used to be. You start like how how can I bring other people into yeah. the game? Yeah. And these are all the different bits and pieces that that you're constantly learning. Yes, I can improve, but how can I make space for somebody else? Um, and that's why I'm very lucky that you have you know yourself come into camp, Gregor, whose attention to detail is absolutely mm -hmm. tremendous, mm -hmm. and learning of all these different coaches, you're like, well, yeah. we've got every every opportunity to to be successful, and let's make the most of it. You've got a bit of natural ability in there as well. <laughs> um, listen, we have to look ahead to there's a couple of things I want to ask, but this game at the weekend. Well, before that, you mentioned some of the tough times and frustrations, but is it even more important that when you do succeed, when you do have moments of elation, you celebrate it and you get a pat on the back and you get the people close to you and you celebrate together? How, for all the the soul-searching moments, how important is it to celebrate the good bits? Oh, you've got to celebrate. You've got to celebrate all the little victories you get within a game. And does but that still drive you? Like the feeling of that celebration? It's the feeling that you want. Right. It's the feeling, you know, sometimes you, you get to an end of the game and you've won and you're like, well, I'm glad that, I'm glad we got that. Yeah. 
it's almost like a, a, you can breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. Then other yeah. games you're like, right, pull me off the ceiling type thing. See, like, I, you're I absolutely think I buzzing. was more the sigh of relief guy. You're yeah. much better at celebrating. But yeah, but the thing is that I'm, I'm massive on over-celebrating <laughs> because I've just got far too much energy. <laughs> far too much energy. Um, but you see, when you celebrate like that and you're total illusion, does your mind immediately go, right, I have to perform at that level next week or we have to back this up? Yeah. Or are you in the moment just thinking this is amazing? A bit of both. A See, bit I of both. And that, that's that's something, yeah, that's something that I've always tried to, I've almost like bounced back and forward between yeah. the two, whereas yeah. now I understand yeah. what, what they what both mean. To. I always talk about after a game, win or lose, the feeling that you have after a game. Yeah. And when you lose, you don't want this feeling. Yeah. When you win, it's the best thing ever. Yeah. And let's chase that again. Yeah. But then you've got to rein it back in and go, right, how, how, do, do, how do we get this? Yeah. How how have we won this game? How do we, you know, take our opportunities and make sure that, mm. that we back it up or, or better at the week after? That's the thing now that excites me. Um, and then when you do it again, the feeling's even even more more special. Well, 100 caps at the weekend, Scotland versus Ireland. How, how, or what do you need to do to try and experience that feeling? The number one team in the world, incredible form they're in. What do you need to get right this weekend then? The best thing we've done over the last kind of year or so, Mossy, is concentrating on ourselves. Yep. And that there was, for years on end, we'd sit and we'd watch X, y, X, Y and Z about what opposition are going to bring us. Um, but now there's a real confidence and belief and trust within the squad that we can go out there and do a job, it's going to be bloody tough. Do you have to perform better than you've ever performed before? Yeah, 100%. Never beat the number one team in the world, I don't think. No. And, and that's the thing, that's the thing. We've got an opportunity and a chance to do it, and that's mm -hmm. what excites me to go out there and train every day. Because when, <laughs> when you feel like I do, and, and it's bloody freezing <laughs> on that top pitch. It was cold today, Oh, she it? was cold today. But that's, um, <laughs> you're thinking, right, let's, let's go out there, let's uh -huh. make sure we squeeze everything out of this session that we can, and then rest up, recover. And, and get ready to go again because if you get all the preparation right, it's half the battle. Mm -hmm. It's just a case of going out there and executing it under more challenging circumstances. But that's when you get an opportunity to show your individual ability uh, and us as a as a team. So that's the exciting part. Mm -hmm. This is this is the the nitty gritty. Get on with it. Uh, make sure we're prepped. But when you go at uh, eighty minutes of rugby, you bring your bring your little party piece and and have a bit of fun uh, and, and get our country behind us, there's, there's nothing better. Well, they'll be behind you on Saturday, I've no doubt at all. Behind the team, absolutely, but behind you personally as well. With the, the career you've had, the career you're having and going to go on to have, as I say, brilliant to have so much time. I know you've got to jump to a meeting, but uh, listen, good luck. Uh, thanks for your time. Have an amazing performance uh, on Sunday. Uh, celebrate it. Uh, and everybody was celebrating with you as well. So listen, Hoggy, brilliant. Could have spoken forever, uh, but yeah. Go on, enjoy that meeting Cheers and enjoy Sunday. Thank you very Hello, much. Bob.